You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week one of the study Identity Theft, entitled Free, Rescued by Grace. But I wanted to start with this quote. Melissa Kruger put this in your introduction. It's by Elizabeth Elliot, and I just think it's one of the more... Um, Powerful and thought-provoking quotes. The fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. I really love that. And um, Elizabeth Elliot, if you know anything about her, was an amazing woman uh, missionary with her husband who was killed. I could get off on that story, but if you don't know about her, Google her. She was really an amazing, amazing woman and had a ministries all throughout her entire life in spite of much tragedy. So, um, full disclosure here, I am am not a theologian, I am not a pastor, I don't know Hebrew and I don't know Greek. Ah! (laughs) When I was younger I didn't see any reason to learn Hebrew or Greek and now that I'm a whole lot older I think it would have been kind of beneficial if I did, but I didn't. So, anyway, uh, I love the Lord and I love the Word and You know, like Christy told us last week, we are really here to build each other up and to also develop, if you don't already have it, the understanding that it's perfectly possible for you to pick up a Bible and read it and understand it. And when you have questions, to go to other parts of Scripture, you know, to compare Scripture to Scripture to help you. That It's wonderful. We have so many resources out there, so many different ways we can go. But really and truly, one thing we'd like you to also know is that you can just use that Bible and that it will guide you. And the more you're in it, the more you just learn to love it. And then the more you learn to love it, the more you learn that you don't have any bit of a little bit of what learning is out there and there's so much more to learn so that's the way it goes Um, in her introduction Melissa Kruger describes and she shares examples of identity theft she poses situations where people manufacture false accomplishments in their past intentionally molding their own image to impress others and this is a real thing it happens as well as situations where someone steals our identity How about the dreaded notice from the agency or the financial institution or the business or even a charity informing you that their database has been compromised? Have you ever gotten one of those? Oh yeah. And your information may have been accessed. Talk about identity theft. You don't know what exactly is out there. You don't know who has it. You don't know what they have access to who might cause harm for you or your family. It's a very unsettling feeling to think that somehow, some way, and especially out there in the ethernet world, uh, someone was able to grab that. But sisters, that kind of identity theft is temporal and it's temporary. So it can cause all kinds of headaches in the here and now, some minor, some major, but it's it's not the big picture. Um, Also, Melissa Kruger tells us we live in a world where the elements of the culture, technology, norms, they all threaten our spiritual identity. And she very clearly named our three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Well, they all seek to discourage and dishearten us from living in the fullness of who we are in Christ. They're often subtle potentially leaving us discouraged or confused or without an anchor unless we know Jesus. 
Jamie and I, along with Melissa Kruger, we hope and pray that through the experiences and the knowledge and the wisdom and the caring of these 10 godly women who wrote each individual chapter for us is going to allow us to share and clarify and question and grow and draw near to God's plan for each of us through our identity in Jesus. So there is a, this is a very safe environment. There's the ask questions. You know, you have great table leaders at every table and lots of uh, biblical and day-to-day um, -day wisdom and experience to help. So as we go through these different chapters, I hope that you'll take advantage of that. So let's move on to chapter one. I am multitasking here and I'm left-handed so I'm looking to the right and clicking so if I stop and pause for a minute that's why <laughs> I'll get better at it um, I thought if we were talking about freedom it would be a good place to start by looking at the word free or free and, and we're going to the Greek so um, well actually before we do that let's just say that verse together our memory verse let's do that together you can all see it up there you ready Okay. <laughs> For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, 1. Okay. We'll say that a couple more times together today. <laughs> um, so freedom, from the Greek, I, I listened to try to see if I could. I think it's, this is close. Eleutheria. Eleutheria. Does anybody know? And no other Greek scholars? Okay, well then we'll say that's what it is. That's how you would pronounce it. Um, this is interesting to me. Uh, back in the day, uh, freedom from the yoke of the Mosaic Law, which, which if you've been reading, we, we're talking about what freedom meant when Paul was writing to the people at Galatia. And then freedom from the domination, dominion of corrupt desires so that we do by the free impulse of the soul what the will of God requires. So look at that last phrase again. Freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires so that we do by the free impulse of the soul what the will of God requires. So we know that in him we are free, um, but there are some responsibilities that go along with that. I thought that was really neat. Had it not taken another six or seven minutes to do it properly, I would also have brought you multiple definitions written in different time periods, um, which is kind of interesting because language does change. So uh, Noah Webster in 1828 in his American Dictionary of the English Language talked about free, and he did refer to uh, freedom in Christ or religious freedom. He made a statement that there is a religion, is a, a type of freedom and um, dictionary.com, who is probably done by artificial intelligence by now, has a whole list of probably 25 different definitions, but none quite as specific as what, as what we find here. So I just thought would be an interest, interesting place to start. So from the time we're very young throughout our lives, we do all ask the same sorts of questions at one time or another. Who am I? Where do I belong? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? We're confronted uh, day to day with what we consider monumental decisions like where do I live, do I marry, do I go to college, what kind of a job I want to do, can I raise my children, can I make it to the next paycheck. Our assessment of our identity and our security and significance can lead us toward a downward spiral if we're not alert. 
So how do we wrestle with these questions in light of our place in the kingdom? Well, we stay tuned to God because you are very valuable to him. You know this, this will sound familiar, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You matter, God has a plan for you. He determined to place you in this time and this space for a purpose. Kind of boggles my mind when I think sometimes that we all are here. He allowed us to be born where we're born. He allowed us to be living in this amazing church age. And he has a purpose for each one of us. And that just comes down to, you know, that fact that we're sitting in this room today, as well as everything else you do. So, how can you learn to come to grips with who you are? Well, you start by learning what your creator has to say about the real you. Jen Wilkin provides us with what may be a review for many of you and may be brand new to some of you, or maybe you've heard these terms before, but their meaning seems somewhat evasive. She points us to Romans 6, and you've got great questions there in your book, so I'll leave you to discuss those on your own. But the fact of our salvation was, is, or will be, depending on where you are in your walk with the Lord, the most important decision that any of us ever makes, period. On that decision rests our whole eternity. So I make no assumptions about where any of you are in that process, um, but I pray that those three terms would be comforting to you who know him and gently challenging to anyone who may not be sure whether they know him and encouraging to anyone who might want to know more. He loves us all. He is love. So at this moment, I'm going to ask you to do a little uh, speed drill here. So this table and the table in the back, we're going to give you 60 seconds, and I want you to just at your table come up with one short description for the word justification. And you guys in the middle are going to have sanctification, and then you two tables will have glorification. So just talk around your table, come up with a phrase or two that describes it, and then we're going to have you share with everybody what you did. <laughs> This is 60 seconds, starting now. All right, let's start up here. Give us somebody loud so everybody can hear. What did you come up with for justification? Okay, this is what I learned a long time ago. Everything I learned a long time ago. <laughs> justification, just as if I never sinned. God justifies me and then looks at me as completely free of sin, as if I never sinned. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Back there, Christy said. Well, Mama Joyce gave us her, the first name that came to her mind, and you see the similar generational compatibility here. So we had the same exact thing. <laughs> because... Mama Joyce gave us that exact same Oh, we had the same era, Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what we started off with. And I think, like, I mean, this is ripping off the book, but the idea of being free of sin's penalty, like, that is a really good summary. Right. Yeah. Okay, how about sanctification? We talked about that it's the act of making something holy, so it's a continual process. Of continual process. Bettering reaching for him and him patiently walking Amen. Yeah, it's where we are right now. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, in the back, sanctification, glorification, sorry. Sure. Freedom from sin. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good 
freedom from the presence of sin, and that is what is to come. Okay, what is to come? Uh, the coming together of God's plan to bring us to him, his gift of eternal life by his grace. Could you all hear that? Could you hear Ashley? Could you say it louder? The coming together of God's plan to bring us to him, his gift of eternal life by his grace. Thank you. Okay. All righty. Great. That was awesome. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Okay, um, what I'm doing today is rather than kind of going into any depth, I'm just trying to give you a top survey of what's in this chapter, and we won't always do that, but because this is kind of a groundwork, I just tried to make this as concise as I could for you. So, justification, as you said, and some terms that we have here are once justified once you've confessed your sin you you have repented you have acknowledged your belief in Jesus as your Savior and asked him in you are saved that equals freedom your penalty is paid it's accomplished it's accomplished and wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all have that feeling right from the get-go how many people do you know who just I think I'm saved, but I'm not saved. I think she used a story there. Je yeah, Jen Wilkin used a story about their, her, she and her friends going down the aisle to be saved multiple times. <laughs> so, so the truth of the matter is, it really and truly is uh, a done deal. And I referenced their uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2 which says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And that's probably a very familiar one to many of you. Sometimes when they get really familiar, we can stop thinking about them in the same way. So it's, I think it's good to, to review that and think about it today as we're focusing on that. And then... Sanctification, you mentioned, um, that's considered freedom from sin's power. So, well, you've been permanently sealed. The power of sin is broken. So now you're free to serve God. It's ongoing. It's lifelong. And it's him through that justification into sanctification giving us the desire to want to serve him, the desire to want to... Um, live our lives in a way that would be pleasing to him and again you probably you may know people who you've actually seen that sort of transformation happen um, and it's not as you know always instantaneously as far as their behavior goes but they they begin to change and we change on the inside and we change on the outside and it's continual it's our it's our blessing and opportunity to have this time to do that to understand that we can use our days in that manner. And that is Philippians. Again, this is probably very familiar to you. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, and this is one that sometimes people challenge about the work out your salvation. Are you all comfortable with that? You know that doesn't mean you have to do that to be saved. We got that. Okay. All right. We don't have to, we don't have to work for our salvation. We have to work out our salvation. And you can... 
probably talk about that some at your tables too. Okay, and then glorification. Once we die, we go to be with him, a soul rest. Sin is no more. There can be no sin in his presence, and then we are completely free, which sounds so amazing um, and is almost hard to comprehend when you think about it. Um, We know a lot about what that will be like. Scripture tells us in many, many places um, what that experience will be like, at least at what it looks like, and, um, but it's still beyond anything that we can comprehend. And then I wanted to give you another one here, which I love. This is Revelation 22, 4 and 5. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So, it's even hard to imagine eternity, really, isn't it? We, don't, we, we live so much by time, and, and he lives outside of time. There's going to be so much wonderful stuff just to learn and experience and to be there with. Okay, let's see. Um, Jen Wilkin also talks about false freedoms dealing with justification and sanctification and glorification. So um, she gives us the same pattern. And she called, regarding justification, freedom from sin's penalty or false freedom or freedom of license. So she's describing that here as the salvation get out of free, out of jail free card, um, which would be an attitude of, yep, I'm saved, it's good, it's permanent, it's forever, so I'll just go about now and do what I want to do. That's a temptation that could happen, right? And then she talks about, under the sanctification area, a false freedom of legalism. And that's sin's power. Oh, I forgot to tell you that it was penalty, the first one. Sin's power, mindset that manifests prideful thought and deed, the false belief that our efforts overrule his grace rather than our obedience to his will. So, and you've probably all seen or observed or or felt maybe it's very easy to think you got this. Um, And um, even if you think of the descriptions of, Um, the priests and the Levites in the time of Jesus. That was a real good example of legalism. And then under glorification, the false freedom from sin's presence. And she calls that escapism. Um, It can produce a sense of escapism, wanting to be out of this life instead of joyfully looking to heaven, to become fretful instead of sensing joyful anticipation of the day we'll all be with him for eternity. Questioning God's timing. Anybody ever questioned God's timing? Okay, yeah, well, we're all in that boat together. Um, So anyway, she really wants us to see the beauty and the threats. And I love that about what she's written. And I wanted to just take a minute here before we set you loose again at your tables um, and share with you. I just want to read it out loud. I want to have it on the recording. At the very end of that chapter on page 13, I'm just going to read from about the middle of the page, a couple of paragraphs. 
She says, maybe you too have found salvation mystifying. Maybe you've wondered, if I'm really saved, why don't I feel fully free? Well, you're not yet fully free, but you will be. Our complete freedom from sin is certain, but it's not sudden. So we rest confidently in our justification. We labor diligently in our sanctification, and we hope expectantly in our glorification. And then this next little three statements, I think I'm going to put up on my wall somewhere at home. Be assured of your justification. It was one day you were freed fully from the penalty of sin. Be patient with your sanctification. It is each day you are being freed increasingly from the power of sin. And be eager for your glorification. It is to come. One day you will be freed finally from the presence of sin. So with that, I'm going to set you loose at your tables. And when you hear the music, it'll be time to come back together. That'll be about um, probably 20 of, maybe between 25 and 20 of. <laughs>